Why do many Indigenous students lose interest in pursuing science after high school? Science, like any other subject, is prone to the biases and assumptions of its educators. And the sciences taught in 20th century Canada were no exception. They took a colonial approach, one that focuses on control and mastery over the environment. And it's still happening. Many Indigenous students experience Western science lessons as counterintuitive, if not outright alienating. Many of them still have to set aside traditional ways of knowing and learning at the classroom door. How do we fix this gap? By incorporating Indigenous perspectives into K-12 science. By using local contexts and drawing on the knowledge of elders, students can see themselves reflected in the curriculum. It can be the key to unlocking prosperity and self-determination. And more Indigenous science students means more Indigenous scientists, and with it, a view of the natural world that will benefit us all. I'm Kira Johnston, and this is the Leadership Perspective series from the Conference Board of Canada. Each episode, we sit down with an expert or experts to hear their perspectives on an issue that's affecting the lives of Canadians. Joining us today is Jane Cooper from the Conference Board's Indigenous and Northern Communities team. And we're going to talk about indigenizing K-12 science education. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for being our guest on this week's episode. I'm happy to talk about my research. Thank you. I'd like to begin by hearing what an Indigenous perspective on science actually looks like. We have to be cautious when generalizing about the different Indigenous peoples across Canada. There are almost 50 distinct First Nations languages across the country. There are Inuit people, Métis people. Anytime we talk about an Indigenous perspective, we need to be clear about which Indigenous people we're actually talking about. That being said, if we are going to generalize, Indigenous sciences tend to use a qualitative and integrative approach that develops a holistic understanding of how to live in harmony with nature. And that's in contrast with the sciences traditionally taught in school in Canada in the past century, which were really founded in a Eurocentric approach to understanding the natural environment. And that tends to compartmentalize phenomena, for instance, breaking the sciences into biology and chemistry and physics. And it focuses on measurement and analysis, and it's really all about controlling the environment. Can you point out where we can see Indigenous perspectives and courses being taught right now in Canada? There are some good examples. For instance, in Saskatchewan, they integrated Indigenous perspectives into their K-9 courses back in 2011, and they produced a whole set of textbooks to support that curriculum. It's quite widely taught in that province. British Columbia redesigned their curriculum in 2018, built in some explicit and implicit references to Indigenous knowledge and perspectives throughout the whole curriculum, with at least one content suggestion per grade level. Nova Scotia is another really good example. Under the 2017 Treaty Education Framework, Mi'kmaq perspectives, such as the Mi'kmaq way of living with nature, are integrated across the primary science curriculum. Up in the Northwest Territories, they've developed three experiential science course curricula and textbooks that are aimed at the grade 10 to 12 level, and they integrate Indigenous perspectives extensively throughout those curriculum. Anywhere in Canada, you will find teachers who are experimenting with and adapting their teaching to be more inclusive and multicultural in many Indigenous-controlled schools, particularly on First Nations, but also in a number of Indigenous-centered schools that you will find within urban public school boards. You're going to find teachers who are working hard to blend Indigenous perspectives into their teaching. The big picture at the end of the day in Canada, education is a provincial responsibility and curriculum is set at the provincial level. 
and we wanted to understand where their efforts that are being supported by provincial government policy and investments. More than 80% of Indigenous students in Canada actually attend public schools, and that's about 375,000 students across the country. It's inspiring to hear so many provinces being inclusive, and while the Ministry of Education plays a big role in change, what role do elders and knowledge keepers play in creating new curricula? It's best practice to bring in elders and traditional knowledge keepers at all stages of a curriculum reform process. At the early curriculum revision stage, we saw that curriculum developers in Saskatchewan, Northwest Territories, Nova Scotia, they all worked with traditional knowledge keepers as they were revising the curriculum. They brought these people in to see what ideas, perspectives, experiences could be integrated into the curriculum and then talked about how you would translate those into the themes, the outcomes and indicators in the curriculum that teachers use to guide their teaching. They can play a role in developing teaching materials. In Saskatchewan, they brought in elders when they were developing their new science textbooks. And some of those people actually were featured in the books that are in the classrooms now. Elders can help with teacher training, onboarding new teachers or during professional development. In the Northwest Territories, they had on-the-land onboarding for some of their teachers, and of course, they brought in local elders to help expand the teacher's understanding of Indigenous perspectives. In the classroom, elders can play a role. The Saskatchewan Public School District, for instance, has a team of four elders who are on staff, and teachers can bring them into the classroom when they're teaching sciences or other subjects to have their support in teaching. And on the land, if a teacher is able to take their class out on the land to learn, there's a huge benefit to meeting up with an elder who can provide an authentic Indigenous perspective based on their life experiences and their learnings. You mentioned teaching on the land, and of course, with COVID-19, there's been a resurgence in the idea of outdoor learning. How can indigenizing the curriculum take advantage of this? Yes, there has been a lot of talk this fall about the advantages of taking children outside for their lessons. There's more fresh air. There's a lot less opportunity for the virus to be transmitted. It's also a great opportunity for students to engage in on-the-land learning, which is how Indigenous learning has taken place for thousands of years. If teachers are ready to think about what parts of the science curriculum lend themselves to practical observations, experiments in nature, hands-on activities, think about how we are all part of nature. It's a great opportunity to learn in a more holistic way about the world around us. And in fact, it could even be an opportunity for non-Indigenous schools to invite Indigenous elders and traditional knowledge holders to lead outdoor learning activities and provide a chance for all students, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, to get a broader perspective on our shared world. Did your research happen to uncover any resistance on the part of teachers or schools to incorporating Indigenous perspectives? There's always going to be some people who are resistant to change. That's not a surprise. In this case, that a lot of resistance is often related to concerns about doing it right. Teachers are concerned that they don't want to be seen to be appropriating someone else's culture or misinterpreting it. And they don't want to be trivializing other people's perspectives or indulging in tokenism. So there's no question that there is a learning curve for many teachers. Understanding Indigenous perspectives on science to the level where you can confidently incorporate them in your teaching is going to take some work. This is why we think that the provinces that have produced teaching materials or are directing teachers to appropriate materials from other organizations and ideas about how to adapt their teaching are probably going to be doing a better job of this. What will it take for change to happen across the country? Curriculum reform is an important tool for reconciliation, and it certainly looks like it takes a combination of factors to make it really happen. Most important, I would think, would be demand from the public. And I think we're really seeing now that there is a broad interest across the country in reconciliation and understanding what does that mean in practice. That also leads into political will. 
you need the Ministry of Education on side. You need people at the top committed. And we saw that how in Saskatchewan, their success in revising the curriculum was definitely related to having the commitment of the leadership to the project. In contrast to that, we saw recently in Ontario how a curriculum reform project that was aimed at indigenizing curriculum was stopped in its tracks when we had the most recent change of government there. It also needs partnerships. It needs collaborative co-design processes with Indigenous partners. It needs ongoing support for teachers during teacher training and then throughout their careers. And it needs strategies that reflect the Indigenous populations in the province in question. For example, Nova Scotia has one major First Nations cultural group, the Mi'kmaq. The Nova Scotia curriculum can specify Mi'kmaq concepts, experiences, ideas, history directly in the curriculum. British Columbia has 34 unique First Nations languages and cultures. What they did there was they created a broader curriculum framework that can be adapted at the local level by schools and teachers to reflect the local Indigenous population and its actual land base. Moving forward as you continue your research, what other projects does your team have on the go? This particular project is part of a broader stream of research that we've been doing that's looking at different strategies that are supporting Indigenous learners' pathways into STEM, or science, technology, engineering, and math. We've had another research project looking at STEM outreach programs. How are these programs designed and what's the long-term impact? We looked at access and retention programs in post-secondary education for Indigenous learners in STEM. And how are these programs supporting students and driving institutional change? This year, we're moving forward into a new project looking at how occupations are changing in Northern Canada and what's it going to take to get more Indigenous people and Indigenous ways of knowing into STEM occupations in the Northern economy in the future. Jane, your time with me is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for sharing your research. It's been a pleasure. You can check out Jane Cooper's impact paper, Curriculum and Reconciliation, Introducing Indigenous Perspectives into K-12 Science by following the links in the episode description. And you can find all of our Indigenous and Northern community projects, as well as our latest COVID-19 coverage at conferenceboard.ca. You've been listening to the Leadership Perspective Series by the Conference Board of Canada, hosted by Kira Johnston and written by Sarah Mells. This series is produced by Jen Duhamel, Nancy Nguyen is our audio engineer, and our executive producer is Michael Bassett. Ideas were also contributed by Rob Collins and Aaron Brophy. For more podcasts, videos, commentary, and ideas, visit conferenceboard.ca.